0: You are listening to the Curious City Podcast from WBEZ Chicago.
1: Hey everybody, Jennifer here. So as you probably know by now, Curious City is where we investigate your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. On today's episode, and just in time for the U.S. presidential elections, we're talking about the American dream. The following is a segment we did in conjunction with a special project at WBEZ called Front and Center, and they were looking into economic mobility in the region. We did this segment on a WBEZ show called The Morning Shift with Tony Sarabia. And here's Tony to kick it off.
2: Now, if you're a regular to the afternoon shift on WBEZ, which I know you are, you're most likely familiar with the station's project, Curious City. Here's how it works. You get to ask questions and team up without reporters to get the answers. And boy, do we have a doozy of a question today. And we'll get to it in a moment. But first here with more on the project, Curious City producer Jennifer Brandel and WBEZ editor Aurora Aguilar. Hi there.
1: Howdy. Hey, Tony.
2: It's kind of nice having you guys in the morning.
1: Thank I you. like it. So so
2: as I mentioned, Jennifer, uh, people get to ask the questions and, and then we kind of follow it. And I've been looking on the page off and on and some really great Questions and we have, as I mentioned, a doozy today.
1: Yeah, there's been a huge variety from practical stuff to kind of psychological stuff, and today the question is one of those psychological questions. We got a really cool question from Lisa Doy. She is a student at the University of Pennsylvania, but is from the North Shore in Chicago, and she's studying anthropology and urban studies. And I think we have her on the line, Lisa.
2: Yes, we do. Hi, Lisa.
1: Hi.
2: So you are at the plate. Uh, tell us a little bit about your question.
3: Sure. So I wanted to know more about the American dream and to hear about how the American dream, perceptions of the dream, differed across socioeconomic class in the Chicagoland area. Um, and I was really pleased with the responses.
2: So what prompted you to ask this question?
3: It actually started with um, an assignment I had in 11th grade English. I went to school in Winnetka, and I was sort of thought that the answers that my classmates and I had about the American dream was a little bit skewed from what the general feeling about the American dream was. I didn't think we were sort of a representative sample of students in America. And so I wanted to ask the same question we were asked to a wider variety of people throughout Chicago.
2: Okay, so Jennifer, let's get to the meat of it. What what did we find out here? We
1: found out some really fascinating stuff. Um, And we partnered with Front and Center, which is a project out of WBEZ. And right now they're doing this series on economic mobility. So Aurora is here to give some context about what we found, um, but to start off, Lisa, we asked her, you know, do you want to hear from experts? Do you want to hear from people? And she said she wanted to hear from everyday people. So what we did, Logan Jaffe, my intern, and I, we went all around Chicago to four different places, uh, to Winnetka, McKinley Park, Albany Park, and East Chicago. What we did is we took the 2010 American Community Survey, and we picked out very different socioeconomic levels, so we could kind of get that variety. And it's based on median household income. So the first place we're going to visit is when. And their median household income, according to the 2010 survey, was $250,000 plus. So we're talking about, you know, the highest levels here. Um, Winnetka, for those who don't know, it's a North Shore suburb. It's about 22 miles north of downtown. It's flanked by Kenilworth, Wilmette. You've probably heard of it. If you've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, (laughs) (laughs) that's where a lot of those movies have been filmed. Um, So the folks we spoke with there described it as a fortunate town, as having manicured lawns, and they called it the upper echelon and the epitome of the American dream.
2: Okay, so we have some tape that we're going to get to. But before we do that, I want to check in with you, Aurora, and just talk a little bit about A little bit more about uh, what Front and Center is doing related to this. I mean, economic mobility, a lot of people would say, well, there isn't much today.
0: There is not much today, um, and that's what we're learning through the people that we're profiling. So we decided um, the series is a a regional series, so it looks at issues that um, are – important to the Great Lakes region. So what we did is we are following five people from five different states um, from the Great Lakes region, and we're asking them, you know, what are the barriers or what are the ways in which you're feeling as if you're able to sort of move up the economic ladder? And unfortunately for a lot of these people, they're feeling like they're not really getting a lot of chances.
2: Was there a trend? What was, you know, if, if someone said... Uh well, I'm underwater with my mortgage. Was there something that that you tracked that followed a, a trend that prevented people from being mobile economically in, you know, either moving up the ladder uh, rhetorically or moving out to move up the ladder. Right.
0: I think that I mean one of the most um, important drivers, um, and Lisa, you can weigh in on this based on uh, any of the research that you've done, but appears to be uh, education. Yeah. So if people are not, you know, they're dropping out of high school, they're not going to college, or even if they're not getting quality education within their own communities, I mean, that's a big, big factor.
2: Well, let's go to that first piece of tape. Now, Lisa, is this the first time you're hearing these, these uh, pieces of tape that we're going to play?
1: I was able to hear them last night. Yeah, we, oh! We posted online the story uh, okay. late well, last there you night. Go. <laughs> okay,
2: so uh, this first piece of tape again, Jen?
1: is from Winnetka. So we talked to a handful of people just that we saw out and about in town. Here it is. My American dream. I'm not
2: even sure I had an American dream. You could achieve pretty much anything.
3: Be happy and have a dog and own my own Irish dancing school, and I finally do.
2: To get married and have kids. Today, it's a little more difficult. It just you know it's it's there but it's the road is a lot longer and a lot harder i
3: mean it really is it's a sign of the times when people can work really hard and they aren't given the same kind of reward or benefit for their hard work it used to be home ownership picket fence and whatever and now it's like are we going to be able to afford college are we going to be able to retire are we going to have to work until we're 75 and you know those things come up a lot more than they ever used to people try to hide a lot of things and and so I know on our street there were husbands that hadn't had been able to find a job in five years. There were wives that were making two and three jobs because the husband had been cut back on hours. They just don't talk about it.
2: This is The Morning Shift. I'm Tony Sarabia. We are exploring the American dream. It's the, first, it's the newest question, I should say, as part of uh, the Curious City Project and looking at it uh, more broadly as part of Front and Center. Jennifer Brandel is the producer of Curious City. WBEZ's Aurora Aguilar is an editor of Front and Center. And joining us on the line is Lisa Doy. And uh, it was her question, what is the American dream? What's interesting, a couple of things interesting about that tape that we heard uh, and again, this is Winnetka, mm-hmm. the, the last piece, you know, about someone not finding a job in five years, uh, wives having to work two or three jobs, not an image that people who are familiar with Winnetka would probably have in, in their heads.
1: Yeah, that's definitely right. We talked to a couple of people who didn't want to be identified, mm-hmm. who but who would speak to us and said that, you know, they had some made some poor financial decisions during the last four or five years when the market collapsed. And one woman said she's living in an apartment now that's the size of her former kitchen. And she's still living in Winnetka. She still wants to be in that area and be in that community. But, you know, a lot of people have been hard, hit hard, even at the at the very top.
2: One of the things Aurora, that wasn't in any of those comments was this notion of what the American dream consists of. And, and we've been told this for decades over and over that it's part of it. And a big part of it is home ownership. Uh, but we, we haven't heard that, at least in, in these pieces of tape.
0: Yeah, I mean, um there was a recent survey it's um by the Woodrow Wilson Center. They said that uh, they surveyed people who are likely to vote. Um they looked specifically at this demographic and found that 84% um think home ownership is just as important as it was 5 years ago and that 90% say it's still part of the American dream. So, um wow. a lot of the people that we talked to for our profiles, they mentioned it, but it was sort of um a just a, a slice of the American dream, you know, yeah. like a lot of these people are just trying to make sure that they get by, that they have a roof, any roof, whether they own it or not over their heads. So it, it, it seems as if that's still kind of like the far off dream, but It's obviously not a reality for a lot of people. Um, The single-family home rental, um, which I actually know personally is something that a lot of my um, friends and and family members have taken advantage of, is one of the fastest-growing parts of the rental market from 2005 to 2010.
2: And do you think some people consider that Part of the, it, as you say, at least they have a roof over their head and, and you know, they're, they're living not in a multi-unit, but, but a place with a backyard for their kids, say, or their right. dog.
0: Enough room, maybe, a, you know, enough bedrooms to be able to have for each kid, you know, as opposed to cramming a bunch of kids in, in one bedroom. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that that might be something that will, is for now, fulfilling that part of the dream.
2: We're going to move on <laughs> to the next piece of tape, but before we do, quickly, Lisa, was there anything in, in that first section of uh, tape that we heard that surprised you?
3: I think um, listening to it, I, was, I also thought it was interesting how, very, how few people mentioned home ownership. Um, someone talked about a white picket fence, but to me that's sort of a cornerstone of the American dream, and just it was the absence in the responses.
2: All right. Well, let's go from the North Shore to the southwest side of Chicago, Jennifer.
3: Yeah. So we visited
1: McKinley Park. Um, for those who don't know where that is, it's situated southwest of Pilsen, west of Bridgeport, and just south of the Stevenson Expressway. So we were around 35th and Damon, if you can picture kind of that area. And the folks who live there describe the neighborhood as um, having a lot of gangs and gang violence, more so in the last few years, and that it's divided between rich and poor, but that you still see people out and about, people playing sports, feeling you know safe to be out with their family for the most most part so that's the way that the folks there described it and for mckinley park the median household income is thirty seven thousand two hundred thirty three dollars so quite a bit different from the winnetka median household income and for this tape that we're about to hear um, we ran into some street sweepers so if you hear some sweeping at the beginning those are the folks uh, that we're starting to talk to here you
3: go Uh, i feel right now you have to have a job to order to live the american dream that's the only way that you're going to live. I'm back out here working, you know, hopefully I can get back to the American dream, you know? To have all this money, a million dollars, that's, to me, that's not American dream. To have God in your life, go to church,
2: and have a home, have a good job, and be happy.
3: Just some somewhere to live and somewhere to stay. I, I have my house, and a lot of people don't have a roof over their head, much less a home, you know? So I, I, I've accomplished something. <laughs> Actually, my sister, she just finished American Dream. She was born in Mexico, so she got all her papers. She's like looking forwards for her life and helping us, and I want to do the same thing.
2: There you go. Quite uh, different dreams from the folks in the southwest part of Chicago. McKinley Park, Jennifer.
1: Definitely. Yeah, we talked to um, something that we didn't anticipate. We kind of went out with an open mind was, you know, talking to folks who might not even have access to the American dream, who might not be able to get the legal paperwork to be able to go to college, own a home and all that that kind of thing.
2: Are we talking to a lot of uh, recent immigrants, uh, Aurora? And and so have we been able to gauge Again, a, a trend. If not, uh, just anecdotally, you know that the American dream for them is what what Jennifer and the young gentleman said toward the end. It's it's quite different, and it's it's very basic. It's just to become an American.
0: Yeah, um, one of our profiles, um, Nyla Boodoo, is actually working with um, immigrants. She's profiling immigrants as part of her story, and so um, the experience that she's been able to document is one that. Um, has a lot of disillusion. I mean, this is a man who came here um, thinking, you know, I'm going to be able to make enough money to support my family and we're going to live well and we're going to live, you know, in in a much better situation than we um, were living when we were in Mexico. This is a Mexican immigrant. Um, And he's finding that it's actually, you know, he's he's choosing whether he is going to spend time at home with his family or work overtime so that he could make a little bit more money to be able to support his family. Mm -hmm. So um, there are definitely hard choices that are being made um, in a lot of these, you know, different families that we're that we're talking to. Um, I know McKinley Park pretty well. My mother lived there until just recently, and it's predominantly Latino. Mm-hmm. A lot of Latinos in that community owned their own homes um, because the, you know, the the, the market and the, the values of homes are pretty affordable there. Um mm-hmm. And so one statistic that I found that was really interesting to me and that I actually hadn't read until recently, it's um, provided by a national real estate organization for Latinos. More than 1.3 million Latino households lost
1: their homes during the foreclosure crisis.
2: Okay, so we're going to go from uh, McKinley Park to where, Jen?
1: To East Chicago. So this is just over the state line in Indiana. It is not part of Chicago proper. Um, and this was easily the most blighted area that we visited on our four-stop you know, stop trip um, you know, the folks who live there described it as the ghetto, uh, with bad streets, abandoned buildings, lots of people out in the day with nothing to do. One lady said there are no jobs, but the people who do have jobs tend to work at Kmart or something similar. And a lot of folks are living month to month from government checks. Um, one lady also described it. This was a vivid thing that we, we did see when we were there, that there were frequent pest control visits because of poor living conditions. So wow. uh, the median household income in East Chicago where we visited was $16,202. So this was the, um, the lowest on the scale in terms of the four spots that we saw. And here are some voices from East Chicago about the American dream
0: my dream <laughs> nice with a big house with car man something better than this Ooh, it's hard when all you know is the area you grew up in this lifestyle is hard so i i can't answer that question i make a dream to me like trying to make some well get out this hood trying to get a good job trying to make my kids be somebody I would have to say my dream would be just like any other person's dream, just being financially stable and not have to worry about money. It's just a matter of how bad you want it. You know, if you let things defeat you, then no, you're not going to reach your dream. I don't think that the dream should be changed just because people's aspirations have gone lower, just because they don't have a dream. It's all about how you go about trying to achieve the American dream. If you make it hard on
1: yourself, then it's going to be hard. It's easy ways to do it. It's hard ways to do it. It all depends on how you choose to do it. So that was East Chicago right there that we heard from, which was the, the lowest median household income of folks that we talked to on our on our little trip here. And one of the ladies you heard at the beginning, she was saying that she can't answer the question of what is her American dream or what does it mean to her? And it was it was actually really touching. She, she started to tear up when we were asking her, you know, where would you want to be in five years if you could be anywhere? And she just couldn't conceive of anything. She couldn't think of anything. And um, that was a really interesting and, and tough moment to realize that, you know, a lot of people, if they have not been out of where they come from, it's hard to imagine anything else, anything different. So I don't know if, Lisa, if you had any thoughts on, you know, what what that means to to not have that access to other ways of seeing how
3: other people live. Yeah, I think I was hearing that and thinking back to the Winnetka, um, the voices from Winnetka. I think one of the things um, that struck me about East Chicago was lots of people talking about the American dream being sort of somewhere outside of East Chicago, having to leave to find the American dream. Mm -hmm. And that even in Winnetka, even if it's harder to achieve the American dream than it has been in the past, I think um, the story you mentioned about the woman finding an apartment in Winnetka, there's something Mm -hmm. about that this is the place where the American dream happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And maintaining a, a spot in this town still holds something in terms of achieving the American dream. Um, and that you wouldn't hear about people talking about having to leave in order to find the American dream, which I think was um, something that really stood out to me in the voices from East Chicago. And it seems, the, like a, get-
2: it seems like a catch-22 sometimes. You know, people wanting to leave mm-hmm. in order to find the American dream, and as Aurora was mentioning, people who can't leave for various reasons and, and they find themselves stuck. What was really striking, I think he, it's not in the tape, Jen, but you had mentioned – that there was a woman who said she had no dream.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. She just could not, couldn't even, couldn't even imagine what it would be. And and that's something that um, I think Aurora has done some research on and knows about in terms of you know how many people are born in a certain class and you know the the next rung up on the economic ladder is so unreachable and it could be for generations.
0: Yeah, um, most of the research that we have been following um, comes out of the Pew Institute. They Mm -hmm. are doing an entire project on economic mobility. Um, In fact, some of their experts are going to be part of the series. Um, they have found, you know, startling, um, things about the ways in which people that are the poorest, like they tend to just sort of like stay stuck there. And so there is called, there is something called like stickiness in these areas. Um, it's 36% of those who start at the bottom, um, are, are, pretty much stuck there as adults. Um, Eighty five percent of Americans, 84 percent of Americans, I'm sorry, have higher incomes than their parents did. So that makes us sort of believe that we're doing better. But ultimately, you know, we're kind of like stuck in the same situations that we know and live through as our parents did. Um, So, I mean, but when you think about the ways in which um, people are really, really struggling, some of the numbers that are most startling are the ones that relate to government benefits. Um, they make up nearly a fifth of Americans' incomes, uh, and they almost um, almost half of the country lives in households that receive benefits. Um, something that you've heard a lot in the debates um, has been that the number of um, the share of Americans' um, incomes that comes from government benefit programs, like you know Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, Social Security, and those types of programs, have more than doubled in the last four decades. So people are poor, and they're reaching out more to the government to help them.
2: Some uh, sobering stats, and it kind of leads into what you are doing with Front and Center, which kicks off on Monday. It's called American Dream Deferred. Aurora Aguilar is the editor of Front and Center, and Jennifer Brandel is the producer of Curious City. Again, if you want to check out more about today's question, you can go to wbez.org slash Curious City. Lisa Doy, thanks so much for the question.
3: Thanks for answering it. And thanks for joining
2: us. Before I let you go, just quickly, Jennifer, anything that really stuck out as you were finding the answers to these questions?
1: Ew, yeah, I guess the thing that stuck out was that I, I imagined everyone was going to say the home, they, that you want to own a home. But now it seems that most of the folks we talk to, even old and young, the American dream to them is just self-actualization, just being able to to have the kind of job, to A, have a job, but then have a kind of job that they enjoy and that um, really brings out their talents and, and what they want to be when they you know have the opportunity to be who they can be.
2: Jennifer Aurora, thanks for stopping by the morning shift.
1: Thanks Tony. Thank you. So the Curious City intern Logan Jaffe and I traveled to all three of those places you just heard about in the same day. And I got to say, it was a pretty intense experience going from total wealth to middle class to abject poverty in just a matter of a couple hours. And I wish I had something really insightful to say from that experience, but I'm still, I think, kind of processing it. But what does amaze me is that no matter where we went, strangers were willing to share with us their inner life and their deep thoughts in a matter of seconds upon meeting us. And I think it's just one of those weird things that when you have a microphone in hand, people are willing to go deep very quickly. So we didn't end up having time in that last segment to cover another neighborhood that we visited, Albany Park. But you can find that audio and photos of everyone we spoke to on our website. Head to WBEZ.org curiouscity And there you can also ask your own questions. Here's what some people have been wondering about lately
3: what draws people to certain neighborhoods
2: why do we need to buy a city sticker a plate sticker and still have to pay
3: to park on our streets is it true that police officers get free sodas or drinks go along with the meals
0: they purchase in Chicago restaurants
1: oh we need your help in answering Brenda Guzman's question she asked us what's one thing you can get in Chicago that you can't get anywhere else And, I mean, we're thinking about rules for this. If you can order it online, it doesn't count. And things that do travel, like let's say the Cubs, that doesn't count either. You can get them in other cities. So what do you think? Email us at CuriousCity.WBEZ.org with your ideas. Or you can always find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our next episode is our big monthly mega podcast where you get a few answers all at once. One of those answers is why Chicago's left-hand turn signals can be so short, as little as five seconds we learned. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm, just, just, what, uh, it's, it's over now. Are you kidding? Thanks so much. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. And if you feel so inclined, give us a rating. It'll help us out, I hope. And thanks this week to Adam Pindle for producing our podcast.
2: Curious City is produced by Jennifer Brandel,
0: WBEZ, and AIR, the Association of Independence and Radio. Lead financial support comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.